So Isaiah 65, 17 to 25. Let's read more about King Jesus. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my family, in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labour in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. Oh, well, g'day. My name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here at St. Matt's, and it's great to be with you here on Easter Sunday. Here's a fun thought experiment. If you had the chance to remake the world that we live in, what would you take out to make it better? You know, it's pretty obvious to everyone that we live in a world that has a lot of problems. There's a lot of stuff in this world we don't like. So if you had the power to remake the world, what would you choose to take out of it to make this world a better place? Taxes might be a nice place to start. Brussels sprouts, I could get behind that. Cats. Seems like a pretty good start to me. Not sure about, maybe I lost a few friends there. But maybe there are some serious things uh, that you'd like to take out. Some things that cause real grief and pain and heartache. That this world would be way better without. I'm sure you can think of some things, can't you? Well, in Isaiah 65, which we just had read out for us, God is promising that he is going to remake the world. Not just a fun thought experiment, but a real promise that God is making to us. A promise of a new heavens and a new earth. And in Isaiah 65, God shows us some of the things that are on his list that he is going to take out to make this world a better place. So let's have a look and see what's on God's list. We won't look at every single thing that's there, but let's look at a few highlights. The first thing that God says he's going to take out is PTSD. Have a look in your handout with me at Isaiah 65 and verse 17. God says, See, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. Now, when it says the former things will, be, will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind, 
It's not saying that we're going to have our entire memories wiped like men in black. You know, they're going to say, put on sun- sunglasses, have a look at this thing, flash, and then you can't remember anything. No, there are many good things that we'll remember. But what it is saying that the former things, the things that characterize our broken and fallen world, those things will no longer be able to haunt us. You see, many of us have horrible memories that bring pain and suffering and trauma. Memories that haunt us years into the future. But God is saying that in his new creation, that won't happen anymore. No more memories of past trauma, no more nightmares, no more PTSD. That's one of the things that God is going to take out of this world when Jesus returns to bring about his new creation. A second thing he's going to take out is death. Have a look there in your handouts with me at verse 20. It says, Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought to be a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. You know, we have good friends who have gone through miscarriage, as many people here will have as well. And it is heartbreaking. We have friends from Bible college who have gone through the trauma of a young baby just a few months old tragically dying. Words can't describe the pain that they've gone through. But Isaiah 65 is promising that in this new world that is coming, that will not happen. Never again will there be an infant who lives but a few days. You know, Isaiah is picturing that even someone who dies at 100 could be considered young. People are going to live for hundreds of years. And while Isaiah is seeing things from his perspective in the Old Testament from a distance, through Jesus, we get a zoomed-in picture of God's new creation in high definition. And through Jesus' resurrection that we celebrate on Easter Sunday, we learn that not only will people live for a couple hundred years, no, there's going to be no death at all. Jesus has conquered death when he rose from the dead. There's going to be no death at all in God's new world. That's a future that even Isaiah could have only dreamed of. And yet that is what God promises us in Jesus. So what's on God's list? What's he going to take out? Well, there's going to be no PTSD. There's going to be no death. And thirdly, there's going to be no war and conquest. Have a look there in your handouts with me at verse 22. It says, no longer will they build houses and others live in them. Or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. You know, in the ancient world, it wasn't uncommon for foreign armies to invade. uh, And in an instant, you could lose everything that you'd worked so hard for. I mean, imagine here in Australia, you built your dream home. You've saved up years for the deposit. You built it. uh, Then you spent years renovating until you finally finish your forever home. And imagine, I know this might be hard to imagine, but imagine despite the best efforts of the RBA to stop you, you somehow managed to pay that house off. It's yours. But then imagine getting kicked out of that house by force and someone else living in it. I mean, here in Australia, that's hard to imagine. But that's probably what people in Ukraine thought a few years ago too. God is promising that when Jesus comes back, There'll be no more war, no more conquest. It says no longer will they build houses and others live in them. 
and have a look at how that's pictured in verse 25. I mean, it's beautiful. It says, the wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat straw like an ox and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. What's on God's list? What's he taking out? Well, because of Jesus' resurrection, we can be confident there's going to be no PTSD. There's going to be no death. There's going to be no more war. And, you know, there's a fourth thing that's not specifically mentioned in this passage, but we can be pretty confident about because of what Jesus has done. There's a fourth thing. In God's new creation, there are also going to be no wheelchairs. Some of you might have heard of a woman named Joni Erickson Tata. Joni grew up in the States, and when she was 17, she was in in the summer holidays with her family, swimming um, at a lake, having a great time. It was warm, the sun was shining. They were having a great time until in a single moment, everything changed. Joni dived into the lake, but the water was shallower than it appeared, and she snapped her neck. Her sister dragged her from the water, but from that moment, she was quadriplegic. Couldn't feel or move anything from her neck down. In a moment, from a healthy, young 17-year-old, she was quadriplegic. And she describes the weeks and months that followed as more difficult than one could imagine. Facing not only quadriplegia, but also chronic pain that was at times unbearable, she felt completely hopeless as she lay there motionless on a hospital bed. There was no cure, no fixes. This would be the rest of her life. But in the midst of her great suffering, she found a depth to her faith in God that she said she'd never had before. She spent a lot of time reading God's word and she found herself drawn to the promise of a new creation and that just as Jesus was raised from the dead with a new and glorified body, that so too she would be raised with a new and glorified body, with legs and arms that that worked. And this not only gave her a hope that sustained her in her despair on her hospital bed, but also motivated her to spend her life to help others too. And she has had a busy life. Uh, She wrote a best-selling autobiography. She started a ministry called Journey and Friends that serves those who are disabled. She spent decades taking her wheelchair onto planes and traveling around the world, speaking at conferences, encouraging others with the hope that we can have in Christ. And even at the age of 73, she's still going. So what gives her the strength to live the way she does in a situation that so many in this world would say is hopeless? What gives her the energy and the joy to point? Well, what gives her that energy is her confident hope in the new creation brought about through Jesus' resurrection from the dead. She describes it this way. Allow me to quote her at length. These are her words. She says, I tell you what, soon and very soon, perhaps sooner than we think, when Jesus returns, God will close the curtain on sin and suffering and disease and death, and we are going to step into thunderous joy. And one day I'm going to leave this wheelchair behind. I cannot wait. I may have suffered with him on earth, but one day I'm going to reign with him. And they've tasted the pains of living on this planet, but one day I'm going to eat from the tree of life and it's all going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. We will see the risen Jesus and we will be like him. We will be drenched with delight. 
we will be at home, as though it were always this way, as though we were born for such a place. Romans 8.18 says that we, cannot, we can consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And you know, I sure I hope I can bring this wheelchair with me. I know it's not theologically correct. Ain't going to be no wheelchairs in the new creation. But if I could, I would love to bring this one. I'll put it right over here, standing in my new perfect glorified body, standing on grateful glorified legs, standing next to my Savior, holding his hands. And I'll say, Jesus, do you see that wheelchair? You were right when you said that in this world we'll have trouble because that wheelchair was a lot of trouble. But the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you. And the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. And that never would have happened had you not given me the bruising of the blessing of that wheelchair. And now you can send it to hell if you'd like. (laughs) Joni is a woman who knows what it is to suffer. So what gives her the strength to live the way she does in a situation that so many people would see as hopeless? The answer is that she has her gaze firmly fixed on the resurrection to come. On the day that Jesus will give her a new and glorified body, just like the one he has. And she's going to stand on her own two feet, standing with her saviour, drenched with delight. No more quadriplegia. No more chronic pain, no more wheelchairs, no more pancreatic cancer, no more mourning or crying or pain. And brothers and sisters, if you have put your trust in Jesus, you can have the same confident hope that she has. There are some of us here who are dealing with physical illness, with chronic pain or fatigue or an injury or disability that seems like it's just going to be with us for the rest of our lives, and maybe it will. But take heart. One day, Jesus will give you a glorified body that is free from all of that. Some of us here are dealing with mental illness, with depression or anxiety or gender dysphoria or bipolar disorder or any other number of battles that we might be facing. But take heart. One day Jesus will give you a glorified body and a glorified mind when you are free from that. And he will wipe every tear from your eyes. If you've put your trust in Jesus, then because he rose again from the dead, you can have a confident expectation of spending eternity with him in the new creation. But for some of us here today, maybe you haven't yet put your trust in Jesus. Maybe you might tick Christian, the Christian box on the census, but you know that you're not actually following Jesus with your life. Or maybe you identify as Christian in a broad sense or perhaps believe in God, but you know that you're not living with Jesus as your king. And if that's you, we're so glad you're here. And we would love nothing more than for you to be able to experience the life-changing hope that comes with knowing Jesus. Because here's the thing, it's only through Jesus that we can have a confident hope of this glorious future. And if we choose to ignore Jesus and turn our back on him in this life, 
then he will return the favor when he comes again in glory. In Luke 13, Jesus was asked, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And Jesus answered, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you'll say, but Jesus, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you evildoers. Now that is a scary thought, isn't it? Jesus is saying that if we ignore him in this life, he's not going to welcome us into that new creation. He's going to say he never knew us and turn us away. But Jesus isn't saying that because he's angry with us. He's saying it because he loves us and he wants us to make every effort to enter. He wants to tell us before it's too late, before that door is closed. He wants us to enter life. He wants us to know him and love him and walk with him both in this life and the next. So if you're here today and you haven't yet put your trust in Jesus, then take him at his word and make every effort to enter through that narrow door. Make every effort to get to know him. Uh, We've got copies of Luke's gospel uh, available for free here this morning. And we'd love to give one to you so that you can investigate Jesus for yourself. It's just the gospel of Luke, one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life. Please feel very free to come to the table out here after the service. We'd love to give it to you as an Easter gift for you to keep. So you can investigate Jesus for yourself and perhaps read it with a friend. We would love nothing more than for you to be able to experience the life-changing hope that comes with knowing Jesus. Easter Sunday is all about Jesus' resurrection. And because he rose from the dead 2,000 years ago, anyone who trusts in him can look forward to a glorious future in God's new creation. Let's pray for God's help in fixing our eyes on that glorious future. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us in Jesus. Thank you that although we experience the pain of living in a fallen world that is marred by sin, thank you that you have acted through Jesus' death on the cross to deal with sin. And you have acted through Jesus' resurrection to pave the way for a glorious new creation when Jesus comes again. Father, for those of us who are suffering, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, to give us hope that sustains us. And please, Father, for those of us who are currently turning our backs on Jesus, help us to take him seriously and experience his life-changing power. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.